eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome in to our, since the studio's closed due to ice and snow, we're just going to do a Q&A mailbag episode. We're working on the title, but since we don't really have a proper title for this, that means we can dive right into it. Yeah, Caleb Downs is in the portal. He sure is. And I know my audience, you people are sadistic. I know you want me to lead with that. I opened up the mailbag yesterday. I'm recording early Wednesday morning. I opened it yesterday and I would say about the last 150 to 200 submissions I got before I cut it off this morning is, hey, talk about Caleb Downs. Hey, this was inevitable. Not Downs specifically, but these moves were inevitable. You don't get to do two things at once. You don't get to be an Alabama fan, for example, and enjoy over a decade and a half run with the greatest to ever do it, and also have him ride off into the sunset and just not skip a beat. You can have one, you can have the other, you can't have both. And if you have the other, it probably comes hand in hand with not having a loaded roster to begin with. Like Alabama's roster is not going to be a poverty roster or anything this coming year, but what it will be is a lot on par with what most of the rest of the country has had to try and win with for a long time. I mean, Kalen DeBoer, who is yet to coach a down even in a spring game in Alabama, will probably still be looking this fall at the most talented roster that he's ever coached, and that's even with guys leaving. So as as I'm recording... And let me make sure you understand, as I'm recording, things could change by the time Bradley edits this and uploads it. Downs is in the portal. Georgia, likely destination. Uh, that in and of itself, not shocking. It's been this it's been this albatross that's been around Kirby Smart's neck for a little while that he ever let him get out of the state. And so whatever the circumstances are, if I'm from Georgia, I don't care. If I'm getting that dude to put in the backfield, the defensive backfield with Malachi Starks, that's about as good a safety tandem as you will have ever seen at the college level. So that's putting cart before horse a little bit, but our latest guidance has been and continues to be that's where he'll probably end up. So naturally, if you've perused the internet or if you just gathered your own thoughts about this, I know it's very raw. If you're any kind of fan and you lose a star player, I know it's raw. But if you're a Bama fan, and doubly especially if you're a younger Bama fan, the trust fund generation of Alabama fans who have only known success, uh, this is devastating for you. 
I know it is. I'm not making fun of you. There are a lot of folks out there who are going to try and make fun of you because they haven't been able to take shots at Alabama for their entire lifetime in this profession. I'm not doing that. I'm both compassionate enough to not do that, and I'm not ignorant enough to do that. But I will say this. This stuff has been dealt with. This is not the first time. There may not be a guidebook in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, on how to handle star players leaving you, but there is a guidebook for it. Guys, I promise you there is because you've been doing it to other teams for quite a while. And other teams have been dealing with it, period. Whether Alabama was uh, the big bad wolf that walked in and stole their players or not. So it is possible. And also, you need to you need to try and do that mental exercise that you know a lot of psychologists advise. When you're having a bad day, in and of that moment, yeah, things seem cataclysmic. But just picture yourself six months down the road. Picture yourself two years down the road in football terms. Go three years down the road. I mean, do you think that Kalen DeBoer has Alabama's offense humming? I do. I, I probably think he will. Do you think that Kane Womack, big defensive coordinator hire for him? Do you think that guy's come in and, and they've gotten – their plan in place and they've gotten their players in place on that side of the ball and do you think Alabama has steadied and righted the ship and it's a contender year in and year out I think that'll be the case my point there is think in 2027 terms and ask yourself how frequently will you talk about Caleb Downs in your day-to-day life the answer is probably not a whole lot he'll be you know probably winning Super Bowls by that point and so it just it greatly alleviates, if you use that perspective, the pain of the moment. Obviously, we're not aliens. We're humans. So everyone has that pain in the moment. But um, I don't know. The other thing that I saw a lot as I started recording this morning is Bama folks lashing out like any other fan base does. And you don't like what you would call the broken parts of college football right now. And to you, broken would be your players are leaving you and commitment doesn't mean what it used to, and a name on a scholarship doesn't mean what it used to. And look, I know what you're saying. You also know the rebuttal to that, and you don't even argue with it. I I know you guys are no different than any other fan base. Any other fan base. It could be a kid leaving Texas, and he grew up uh, in Oklahoma, and now he's going back to Oklahoma, and Texas fans yell from the mountaintops, well, I guess your commitment never meant anything. Well, this is a shame that you can just go from one school to our rival. Nobody used to do this. Everything about that's true. Everything about it's true. And your emotion is real. I would also just humbly suggest it doesn't matter. It does matter, but it doesn't matter, I guess is the way I could put that. Because it's going to happen. And so you can either wallow in misery, which you can afford to do if you're a fan. You can go mail it in today at work. And I advise that. Mail it in today at work. There will be other days. And the work will get done anyway. But if you're Kalen DeBoer, if you're that coaching staff, this is where you get paid big money for a reason. Because you got to just keep flying your plane, man. It doesn't matter how much chaos there is in the cockpit. It doesn't matter how much chaos there may be back in the cabin. You just got to keep flying the plane. You don't have any alternative. You got to keep going. Otherwise, things that are much worse could happen. So, yes, that is occurring as we speak. And because I want to get to as many questions as I can, I don't want to spend an inordinate amount of time on this. I already spent five minutes on it, but this is a huge deal. This is probably outside the quarterback position, the biggest single transfer that could happen in college football. I'm not overstating that. And for those of you who watch college football casually, first, thank you for listening to the pod. Subscribe, if you will. But secondly, you guys probably watch the football during a play and you probably watch the quarterback. So you probably haven't watched Caleb Downs. You know his name because he's a star, but you may not be familiar with his game. Uh, He's probably the best in the country. As a true freshman, he may very well have been the best in the country at his position. He's a generational talent, and I don't use that word very often because the word shouldn't be used very often. Uh, He is a very, very uniquely skilled individual. And mentally, he's about 35 years old. So the one thing that I want to make sure you understand is whether Caleb Downs stays at Alabama, whether he goes to Georgia, or whether he goes to play for Minnesota. Uh, This was not a decision that was made haphazardly. It was not a decision that was made without wisdom and proper guidance. It was not an NIL-fueled decision, and trust me, it could be, because he is one of the defensive players in college football that could garner a million-plus per year for his services. It's just the way things are going to be for a little while. So, with that in mind, welcome into what we would normally call the Late Kick Extra podcast. It's a mailbag format. We just haven't done one in so long, I kind of had to dust off the format in my own mind. Here's what I'm going to do. Because we haven't done this in so long, I got thousands of submissions. Normally, I would do like six or seven, 
and we would format this for individual release and we would cut it up and make videos out of it. Well, I'm not doing that. I, I'm not even using my real microphone. That's why the audio sounds maybe a little cut rate, second rate this morning. It's not Jesse and Colin's fault. It's it's really not even my fault. I don't know that anyone is to fault per se. I just think that it is what it is. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through as many of these as I possibly can. And if I didn't get to yours today, don't worry. We've got plenty of these coming. Um, I'm just going to scroll. So as you know, we got like eight inches of snow in downtown Nashville. Someone asked, long sleeve white t-shirt for this weather? Absolutely not. We got to negative one last night in Nashville. I had to go outside and get something out of the car. Short sleeves and shorts. And I was out there a whole 45 seconds. So am I a hero? Uh, Yeah, probably a little bit. Keep scrolling here. So this is a good one. Is Ohio State in position to win the Big Ten from Austin, Texas? Yeah, they were last year. They just didn't. They were the year before. They just didn't. In position, the way I take that is, are they going to be able to? Oh, I think they were able to the last two years. I don't think they did. Like, we were just talking about Georgia. They were able to and in position to win the SEC this past year. They just didn't. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Now, if you're going to go 5-7, and seven, that means you're not in position to. If you've not been paying attention to what Ohio State's been doing, man, they got a bunch of key players back, like everyone besides Marvin Harrison. They may have upgraded at the quarterback position with Will Howard. They added Quinchon Judkins to a backfield that will still include Travion Henderson because he's returned. And you've also got to understand whether Jim Harbaugh stays at Michigan or whether he goes, which is its own thing that we could be talking about this morning. It does something to be perceived to be on top of the world and come up short a few times in a row. It leaves a very sour taste in one's mouth, but also what it does is it is often a trigger to be the impetus for change. And sometimes success creates this blind disregard for changes that need to be made. And you see that all over the place, not just in football. But if you are already really good, but you're not quite reaching the mountaintop, then you're really good still, but you have motivation to make changes and you have motivation to shift your mentality a little bit, not just as a coach, but as a player. That can sometimes yield really, really good results in any given year. And I think Ohio State may have one of those years coming up. But you know what? If I were listening to me right now, especially if I were a non-Ohio State fan, here's what I would say to that. Yeah, but you thought they were going to be in the title game last year. I did. Yes. So make of that what you will. Chris Marler hit us up and said, which Nicolas Cage character would be the best hire for the new Alabama staff? Now, he listed some favorites. This is a no-brainer for me, but I'll give you the favorites he listed. He said, we've got National Treasure Nick Cage, Con Air Nick Cage, Gone in 60 Seconds Nick Cage, or The Rock Nick Cage. Now, Obviously, if we're just hiring a head coach, a guy who goes into Alcatraz with a known serial killer in Sean Connery and frees a bunch of hostages, that's a pretty big deal. I think if you can manage that, you can manage a football program. But if we're talking totality, if we're talking about not only hiring a head coach, but we're talking about that head coach bringing his staff, might I remind you how dominant the crew was that Nicolas Cage put together and gone in 60 seconds. You had Coach Yost from Remember the Titans in a supporting role. Can you imagine that? Not only does Denzel come in and take his head coaching job in Remember the Titans, you've got Nicolas Cage that comes in, and he kind of puts him back on the crew, and he runs point. And Coach Yost, I can't remember what that guy's real name is, but in movie terms, he's always Coach Yost to me. And Nicolas Cage and Coach Yost leading the crew. you got Angelina Jolie as an assistant coach. And what a time to be alive. So I got to go with gone in 60 seconds, Nick Cage, to lead Alabama. If, and this is a big if, if I get his entire staff. Uh, next up, we'll go over to Instagram. I got a ton of stuff on Instagram here. What about this one? If you could relive one season from 2000 to now, which one would it be? I think either the 2021 season or the 07 season for different reasons. So the 2021 season meant so much, number one, because it was crazy in its own right. But number two, because we had come out of COVID and we got a chance to get back in stadiums. The tour we went on that year, we called it the Renaissance Tour for a reason, because I thought that there were a lot of intriguing stories, but also you were kind of returning to something. You were getting something back. And I enjoyed that for its own right. But also that 07 season, I'd like to relive it because I was just a fan. I say just a fan pejoratively. I'm not. I'm saying I was just a fan. I got to sit and watch that the same way you guys do. But also, we had no clue what was coming week to week. I mean, South Florida was a national title contender. Kansas 
was a national title contender. I think they won the Orange Bowl that year, if I'm not mistaken. And we had so much craziness. But in the end, you had a national championship game that looks like it would normally look. I think it was LSU-Ohio State. So you look at it from a distance and you say, oh, big deal. Uh, One of the premier Big Ten brands against one of the premier SEC brands. SEC wins the title as they always did in that period. Well, first off, that SEC run of dominance was just beginning. And in 07, it looked like anybody's ballgame, so much so that LSU lost two games and ended up winning the national championship. It's the only time it's happened. So I'd say that 07 season, and I've told you guys many times before, if you're like 15 or 16 years old, welcome to the pod. Go back and just do your research. Go back and watch documentaries on the 07 season. It was really, really crazy. Uh, Transfer portal needs regulation. When do I think it will happen? It's not shocking that this comes from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I think there'll be regulation in the next few years. I think it will have to coincide with something, though. It's not going to coincide with just a bunch of grown-ups saying we're going to put regulations on the transfer portal. It will come with much more than that. What's the craziest recruiting story you have ever heard? Brendan, most of those stories can't be told. You know what? Maybe one day I'll do a pod where I tell recruiting stories. I just leave names out and leave universities and coaches' names out, and then we'll have some fun. But I would still have to clear some things with some people. Uh, next up, what are the chances a 9-3 and powerhouse makes the 12-team playoff? Very high. Very high. I had another question. I can go ahead and answer that one here. Do you think a 10, 11, or 12 seed will ever win the national title? Um, yeah, I think there's a distinct possibility that happens. And it goes along with the other question because what they asked was, do you think a 9-3 and powerhouse will make the 12-team playoff? So what we're talking about there is any given year, an LSU or an Oklahoma or a USC, they have stumbled early, probably found their footing late, and they lose games to marquee opponents. And so their nine and three is still a really strong nine and three. And they quote unquote back their way into the playoff. Well, you could even take Alabama or Georgia or Tennessee and put them in that scenario. Take Tennessee, perfect team to use this year. Let's say Tennessee in year one of the 12-team playoff era. Let's say they stumble early because Nico Imaliava is a first-year starter at quarterback, but then all of a sudden they do what some team does every year. They get really hot at the beginning of the year. Then down the stretch in November, you're saying no one wants to play that team, and this happens to be the kind of format where that team can get in the playoff. And so you know, one of their losses is to the SEC champion. Another loss is to another high-profile opponent. So they're still ranked in the top 10 or 11 or 12, They make it in, and they make it in with what ends up becoming one of the best quarterbacks in the country in that given year. That 10 seed is not your normal 10 seed. That 10 seed can end up winning the whole thing if the cards fall right. Or maybe you had a big-time injury at the beginning of the year, and then your roster gets healthy at the end of the year. That's how it would happen. My whole point with the expansion and the 10 or 11 or 12 seed has always been the talk, I think, is – the 10, 11, or 12 seed will always be some G5 team or it'll always be, you know, some underdog story. And that's not what's likely. What's likely is if a 10, 11, or 12 seed makes a run in the playoff, it's one of these teams like an LSU or like a Georgia or, or like an Ohio State that stumbles early and in a former playoff life, that's enough to keep them out. And at the end of the year, you're saying, wow, man, I'm glad... I'm glad they didn't make it in Georgia this year. Georgia would have been favored over anyone in the field this year, but they didn't earn the right to be in, so we kept them out. But in the future, Georgia loses the SEC title, and all they do is have their seeding bumped down a little bit, and then they get Brock Bowers and Lab McConkie healthy and get three weeks to tune up or two weeks to tune up for a playoff run. They may go win the whole thing. So you either like that or you don't like that, but I'm telling you disproportionately, the odds that some lower-seeded team makes a run are much more likely with a powerhouse team than some true underdog story. You're probably done watching underdogs make any kind of run. You're probably done with that because they got to make several more games happen, several more wins happen than they would have in the former format. Next question. After visiting some new stadiums this year, update your list of overall favorites. I'll do a more comprehensive list probably this spring, but a place that I got to that I'd never been able to go this year was Washington. And Washington's, it's amazing. It's just incredible. I'd always heard the stories. I talked to a couple of people. I work with one guy who was a staffer up there in Cooper Patagna slash Cooper Patania. And he always said, 
you know, you need to get up to Seattle. You need to find a way to get up there, blah, blah, blah. And blah, blah, blah is how I filter most of the things he tells me. But this happened to be the exception to the rule. And I got up there. Remember, it was the Oregon game, the regular season game. And it was a 12 o'clock local time kickoff, I think, either 12 or 1230. So we're up there three hours before that. So I'm in the stadium. We get to see the sun come up over whichever body of water that is there where people sailgate. That's a foreign term where I'm from. But sailgating is a thing up in Seattle. And it was going to be rainy later in the day. So I was not looking forward to the forecast, but the rain did not set in until later in the day. So I put the videos out when we were there. You can probably still go find them. There was this awesome sunrise, wasn't too cold yet, and it was totally empty in the building, and it looked like a screensaver. I did a lot of panoramic shots. I I stood up there. The other thing that I realized is I don't normally go in the stands at stadiums, but I did there so I could get up there and get a good vantage point. Those have to be the steepest stadium stairs that I've ever seen in my life. I've never been to the Sky Dome or whatever they call where the Blue Jays play now. I've never been there, but I always heard the upper deck there is as steep as any venue in American, in North American sports. Well, that may be, but it cannot be much steeper than Husky Stadium. It's really terrifying. Like taking steps down, you don't look to the left and right. You're looking down at your feet. And if you got bad hips, which I don't, but I know some of you do, if you got bad hips, you can't even walk down straight. You got to do that thing where you turn your feet to the side and you kind of, uh, you spider your way down. It's tough. It's tough going up. It's even tougher coming down immunity, but it's worth it for the view. Carter J Instagram. Next up. How did you get into the sports media space? Huge fan from Columbus, Georgia uh, with a sledgehammer. And that's not to say I took a sledgehammer to the business overnight either. I beat on the wall for about five years before I even got progress, but pretty much had to sledgehammer my way in. And the next question was kind of like that too, from Naperville, Illinois. How did you get your show off the ground in the beginning? It's interesting someone asked that on this day, because yesterday, Tuesday morning, I put out a screenshot over on Twitter and I said, this is what it looked like in the beginning, essentially. So down in Columbus, I was on local TV down there, and we did what ended up becoming Late Kick, but we did it on local late night 10 to 10.30 D2. That's the CW affiliate there in Columbus, so it's not even the prime NBC channel. And so no one watched, but we also streamed it on Facebook Live because YouTube Live wasn't a thing yet. And I put the screen grab up. And I said, here's what it looked like in the beginning. And the screen grab showed that we had 16 people watching live. And I promise you, 16 concurrent viewers back then was a pretty good night. If we got in double-digit viewers, it was a pretty good night. And what's funny is I didn't do the show that differently back then than I do it now. It's just that it wasn't going to take off overnight. Nothing worthwhile ever does. And when I, I'm not going to waste your time on this, but a lot of times I'll do consultations or I'll talk to someone who's fresh out of college, or maybe they're trying the YouTube game, or maybe they're trying local news, and they think they're good. They think they're talented. They think they have something to say, but they're not getting results. And it can be disheartening. That can apply to many walks of life, by the way. You may be doing everything right. It just takes time. You may have put all the ingredients together. You may have set the timer right, but it doesn't cook as fast as you want it to sometimes. Sometimes you got to set that thing for 45 minutes and forget it and come back later after you did a crossword puzzle or you know went to jog and oh all of a sudden this turkey looks like it's come a long way. You just got to let it baste in there. You got to let it cook for a little while. And that's what we had to do. It it may look overnight to someone who didn't live in Columbus and didn't know anything about the show down there. I promise it was not overnight. It was over several several years worth of nights. Here's two other questions uh, that I think go hand in hand. So the first one is, how many wins do you think would be realistic for Virginia Tech next year? And then the other question was, what is a dark horse team to watch out for in 2024? I'm going to say Virginia Tech. So I kind of think Miami also in the ACC fits this because I don't think anyone views Miami as a playoff contender because you're still applying four-team logic. In 12-team logic with Cam Ward, maybe they're a fringe back their way in playoff contender. But I also think Virginia Tech is going to be, I don't know if I call them a playoff contender. I know they have really good pieces up there that are coming back. I think they probably still need to upgrade their recruiting mechanism a little bit more. But the guys that are coming back are part of what was a total overhaul last year. They ended up winning seven games after I think winning three the year before. And their rushing output 
went from the hundreds to the twenties. And so I didn't know, I didn't know what to expect from Brent Pry when he took that job. And now all of a sudden you, you, kind of start hearing a little drum beat. When you talk to folks in the ACC a little bit more behind the scenes, they'll mention Virginia Tech. They don't lead the sentence with them. Like people are way more fascinated with Norvell. Uh, is Dabo going to get things right? Will Mario do anything at Miami? You know, what's this addition of Jeff Collins going to do for the defense at North Carolina? But then they'll mention Virginia Tech. So you've got the best of both worlds. You've got excitement. But the national audience, they have not latched on yet. You know, that's just our little secret right now. Uh, let's go with Andrew's question here. And I'm going to be really free and loose with this thing. So he said, if you could put regulation on the transfer portal, what would it be? Okay, so my perfect world and not what's realistic, right? We're going to go pure fantasy world here. I would, I would just hit the fast forward button. So we could get to wherever we're going, let's just say employment status or non-employment status. But let's say there is a world where legitimate revenue sharing is happening with the players. So you know whether you go play offensive guard at Auburn or you play middle linebacker at Arkansas, you're getting a set dollar figure because you are an SEC football player. And same for the Big 12, ACC, Big 10. You're getting a certain dollar figure that coincides with the revenue sharing agreement that you enter into by being a scholarship athlete, a scholarship football player in that conference. Okay, so you already know ahead of time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go play in the Big Ten. No matter where I commit, I'm going to make 50, 60 grand a year because that's the revenue sharing cut that I get. All right, so everyone would go for that. It would be great. And when I say everyone, I mean every player. They would love that. You can still do your NIL deal, but it's just that at that point, NIL would kind of move to the back burner a little bit, and what NIL would be is what it's supposed to be. Like, if you already know you're going to be, you're going to get a quarter million plus just for having played college football, no matter if you're a starter or not, you know, someone offering you inducements via NIL doesn't carry nearly as big an impact and weight. So, what NIL would be is it would go to the Bryce Youngs of the world, it would go to the CJ Strouds of the world, it would go to I don't know, like pick any Caleb Williams. It would go to those guys because those are the guys that in a normal market would get endorsement deals and endorsement money. What NIL is right now is just pay for play and recruiting, which it's not supposed to be. So in a future world, what I would love is here's your money. Everybody's getting money and you're free to enter into endorsement and licensing deals above and beyond that. But in exchange for this, I would like to see the conferences become what the NCAA is now. I would like the SEC to police itself, the Big Ten to police itself, and you may think that sounds crazy. It's not at all. Everyone in those conferences wants there to be rules enforced. It's just that if they're not going to be enforced, they're not going to get caught on the sideline. So everybody's tampering, and just about everyone's doing stuff they're not supposed to do with NIL. But what a lot of them are screaming behind the scenes is, if you'll get this under control, we got no problem operating within parameters. There just are none right now. What I'd love to see is the Big Ten or the SEC, police themselves and say, here is a ton of money to the players every year. We, as a conference, are in the NIL game now. Here's the trade-off. Number one, if you go and you play wide receiver at Ole Miss and we're giving you this much money per year, you're putting your name on a piece of paper that locks you in three years minimum unless your head coach leaves. That's what I'd love for NIL and Portal to look like. And then, if you either graduate or you serve your three years, you can transfer, you can go to the NFL, uh, you can do whatever you want to. But in exchange for us giving you a lot of money, you are going to put your name on a piece of paper that locks you in for a certain portion of time. That's my perfect world. That's what it would look like. Now, legally, no one knows whether we'll ever get there because there are a ton of very tall hurdles to clear. But you didn't ask me for realism. You asked me for idealism. So that's idealistic for me. Uh, Davis from Knoxville, what is the best song off the Rumors album? That would be Dreams. John, will Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee shake up the SEC pecking order? Uh, I think the only way for them to do that is for one of them to jump up and go to the SEC championship game. If Ole Miss did that, that would shake up the pecking order. If Tennessee did that, that would shake up the pecking order. Obviously, if Missouri did that. Uh, short of that, no, I don't, I don't know that that's going to shake up the pecking order all that much. And hey, here's a, a related note or a question, I guess, what's the pecking order going to be? 
you kind of got to redefine it now that Alabama's in transition a little bit. It's Georgia. Like, we know they're going to be up there. But do you understand what kind of jockeying for position there's about to be right there next to or underneath Georgia right now? Next up, why do you hate LSU? I don't. Uh, Hamilton asked, are conference championships a waste and should they be done away with? I don't know what the answer to this is. To me, they've never been a waste in the old format. In the new format, man, I don't know. I don't know. I get the sense we may be headed towards a period where you watch the conference title games and you can't ignore the voice in the back of your head that says it kind of feels dumb that we're playing this added game. When, you know, in the Big Ten, we know both of these teams are in the playoff. Or in the SEC, we know both of these teams are going to be in the playoff. Or, you know, let's say you were watching Florida State and let's say they go 12-0 and again and they're playing a conference title game, and you know without that game, they're guaranteed a one seed, and the conference is voluntarily having them play a conference title game that if they lose, takes them out of the top four, takes away a a home playoff game or however that's going to work, or maybe a first-round bye. Um, I also think there's this other scenario that could happen where you know Notre Dame, goes undefeated, but since they don't play in a conference title game, they cannot get a top four seed or a first round bye because that's a rule right now. I don't know if you guys realize that, but that's a rule right now. And to you, it sounds fair. I'm saying from the Notre Dame perspective, if they have a perfect season and they get, in their mind, screwed out of a top four spot because they don't have a conference title game, would that force them to reconsider their stance? Would it force them to join a conference? Like, I don't know what the answer to that is, but... I do think there's a world coming where, especially if we get a rematch, a sudden rematch in a conference title game, use Ohio State-Michigan, for example, there is a world this coming year where they play the last week of the regular season, then they play again in the Big Ten title game six days later, then they both go to the playoff and they could meet there for a third time. And forget the playoff, like that would be egregious, but even the immediate rematch I think that would make a lot of people look around and say, what are we doing right now? Like, How could we possibly structure the sport like this? Danny, up next, what is your least exciting football memory? Um, you know, I'll go major memories. I think the 2018 national title game sucked. And that was one where Clemson won in a blowout. It didn't suck because Clemson won. I mean, that was a great team. Like, congrats to them. I just thought the setting was terrible. Like, Santa Clara, California should never be hosting anything related to college football. But we got into this era that we're still in where we let cities bid on things instead of rewarding classical college football cities with national championship games and, you know, saying, that's it, we're done with it. Uh, So we go out there and it's in a place where no one's excited for the game. I mean, we're in, we're in close to San Jose. So I think the media hotel was in San Jose and the games in Santa Clara where the Niners play, of course. And like, the town, there was zero buzz in the town. No one cared. And it poured down rain, which they can't control. But even the things that were within college football's control, they just screwed that up. And I know it's a memorable experience for a Clemson fan because you won a title. So imagine if you're a Clemson fan, just remove the, you know, orange tiger paw from your cheek for a second and imagine being agnostic to either of the teams, but you're just there for the experience. I cannot in strong enough terms explain to you how different it is to go to a title game in New Orleans or Miami versus going to one in Santa Clara, California. I mean, it was a total abomination that college football put a title game there. So I didn't like that. And then the weather just compounded matters, but I didn't like that one at all. Uh, Let's go ahead and get Joe's question out of the way. I knew this was going to come up at some point. Are you related to Connor Stallions? I don't know that I'm allowed to answer that right now, Joe. You know what? I'm not doing it. I'm not going to answer that right now. I'm sorry. I can't. The end. Uh, McCallux from Buffalo, New York. Whoo! You guys are buried up there right now, aren't you? He said, I'm moving from New York to Arkansas. Okay. Tell me your Storm Chaser starter pack, please. Watch a ton of material learn before you go out and try and chase storms. You end up putting yourself in a world of trouble and a world of danger when you watch a couple of YouTube videos and then decide, I'm going to go chase storms. Why? 
Well, these roads are public. They're available to everyone. No one can tell me not to. Well, that's true legally. No one can tell you not to. But let me tell you, we were just up in Illinois this past year, storm chasing, and we were uh, chasing, at the time, a rain-wrapped tornado. Now, we were doing what we call hook slicing, which means we were eventually going to come into a dry slot. We eventually knew we were going to see it, but we were having to get really, really close, and it was hilly terrain, and it was not an ideal situation. So we get in the clear. Tornado has just crossed a highway in front of us, and it's kind of over in a field. It's moving from our right to our left. As we're facing it, it's kind of moving from east-northeast to west-southwest. And um, there was another chaser, like legit chaser, in front of us who decided that he wanted to try and take a left turn, even though that puts him in the path. And the problem was it was dirt roads and he didn't know what he was doing. They weren't familiar with the terrain. And he ends up getting rolled by it, literally rolled several times in his car. And so we come up on him. Tornado's fading in the distance. We come up on him. We don't know if he's alive or dead. Uh, we're the first responder in that, in that case. And we check on him and he's okay. So then we keep moving. And no kidding, a power line took our camper top off the truck, like a clothesline in pro wrestling, just took our camper top off the truck because we could not see. And uh, we drove right under it. Not good. And we're paying attention. And we almost got ourselves in trouble there. So my point is, everybody associated in that exchange was an experienced storm chaser, done it for a long time. And there are things out of your control. In fact, all of it is out of your control. So my advice would be, don't do it. That would be my first advice. And then if you do do it, uh, find someone who knows what they're doing. Don't be going out on your own. And thirdly, have a supreme, supreme respect for what it is you're dealing with. Uh, Brian is next up from Fowler, California. He said, underrated game day experiences and atmospheres a fan should attend. So I am going to stand by this. I think South Carolina's got the most underrated game day atmosphere in all of college football. I've been there for several big games. I have always been amazed and impressed at the energy in that place. You don't even have to be field level, just be in the stands. But if you can be on field level, student section, very engaged. There's some unique in-stadium traditions that they do. And it's a really fun time. And what I always tell people, if I've taken them there for the first time or if I know they're going for the first time, South Carolina may or may not be good in that given year. But it's it's largely irrelevant if you go for the right game. And so I tell people, go in there. And when it's charged up, close your eyes for like 15 seconds and just kind of experience it and ask yourself, what does this feel like? And your answer will be, this feels like a premier venue. This feels like a premier destination atmosphere. And then you open your eyes and, oh, it's Williams-Brice Stadium in South Carolina. Wow. Like, I never talk to people who go there for big games and are underwhelmed. It's only the opposite. And I think if they ever win, if South Carolina ever gets back even to the level, you know, that Spurrier had them at for a few years, and a kind of a new college football generation can see that place at full throat, can see that place in, in all of its glory... I think that South Carolina would kind of have a renaissance of sorts when it comes to the perspective of their program, because I think the spectacle of the atmosphere that would be presented would be something that would take people by surprise. Let's go with Jerry here. Jerry actually didn't have a question at all. That's just a make-believe name to fool you and swerve you into the ad break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. For those unfamiliar, it's kind of a game we play amongst each other here. When I do these audio-only pods, which is what a podcast is, I am obligated to throw in an ad break. What I'm not obligated to do is tell anyone when it's coming. And there is sort of an Olympic-style sport that forms and has formed amongst the listener base as to trying to guess when it's coming. No one's good at it. I've never handed out a gold medal, maybe a couple of bronzes, but normally I'm on top of my game. Case in point, right there. And all of a sudden you're sitting there 10 seconds into an ad read and you're saying, wait, what just happened? Well, what happened is you got served and you got swerved. Back to the questions. And this is a tough one. I can feel the pain dripping off. I'm not even going to read the name out of respect, but he said, I'm a 20-year-old who attends South Alabama. How do I handle this week? If you haven't been following, uh, Kalen DeBoer took the job at Bama and he hired South Alabama's head coach, Kane Womack, as his new defensive coordinator, which begs the question, how are you supposed to feel if you're a legitimate fan or a current student or alumni of one of those schools, and your head coach is taking coordinator jobs. Well, you shouldn't feel good. Um, at the same time, I don't think you should just go and hurl yourself off the nearest pier into the Gulf of Mexico, as it were. Things will be okay. I've always maintained that this is just more evidence. We never should have been classifying what we call FBS together to begin with. It's always been insane. Now, even more so. But it's always been insane to pretend that Alabama and South Alabama play the same sport. It's always been crazy to me to pretend that Texas and UTSA play the same sport. And South Alabama and UTSA are pretty solid G5 programs, but it's never made sense to me that that exists. We long ago could have been forward-thinking enough to have someone with common sense say, no, there are about 48 to 60 teams that play one caliber of football and have one caliber of resource and facility, etc. And then there's another group of teams. And what we could have done is put a brick wall between them, maybe with a swinging door, so you can occasionally add one or subtract one, and you can schedule out of conference games against each other. But someone long ago should have said, no, one of these is going to have its own postseason and bowl structure, and then the other one's going to have its own postseason. The fact that we don't have a G5 playoff is insane to me. But no... For the sake of someone out there shouting into the oblivion, oh, everyone's got to have a shot. They deserve a shot. In exchange for that, here you are. I'm not saying it would have kept big-time programs from poaching your coaches. When I look at this happen, I always think of it as a perfect case study on the argument I've always tried to make in that why are we pretending that these are the same thing? You know when we get towards November and we're looking at playoff rankings and you've got a team that's undefeated against a G5 schedule and you've got a team that's 10-2 and against an SEC schedule, we got folks in the back of the room, we got folks in the front of the room saying, well, you can't ignore undefeated, you are what your record says you are. Like Obviously, that came against a different caliber of schedule than the 10-2 and did. You know what my evidence is? Head coaches are leaving one pond to go be coordinators in the other ocean. Like, what more evidence do you need? And not to mention recruiting rankings and NFL draft profiles and all of the above. Just the eyeball test. I mean, my mom could tell you, eh, I don't think that 27,000 people have gathered in this stadium to watch the same product that 110,000 have gathered to watch over here. But I digress. Thus far, we have not gotten smart enough to do the right thing. And so instead, we have 133 teams claiming to compete for the same prize at the end of the year. Just genius. Steve asked one of the more pressing questions of our time. He said, does producer Jesse have legitimate sources or is he engagement farming from Hoboken, New Jersey? I am Jesse's source and I lie to Jesse a lot. So take that for whatever you will. Must be 21 or over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required, bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Kyle, just how far of a gap is there between FSU and Florida and Miami? From Sorrento, Florida. Well, there is a gap. I, you know my belief on this. I think you do. If you don't, I'll restate it. I am never a believer that these gaps are quite as wide as they seem. So right now, it seems like there's a gulf between Florida State and Miami and Florida. And I would say that Miami's in second place there. So I would say Florida's the one in third. I think the records in this case did speak for themselves last year. But here, here's the thing. So if Miami had a poverty roster it would be one thing because Florida State's put together a really good talent roster and they've done it through recruiting and the portal and that's not going to change anytime soon. But Miami doesn't have a poverty roster. Miami probably underachieved a little bit, maybe underachieved with their guys last year. But the thing about it is a lot of their key players were freshmen and this incoming class, a lot of those guys will play too. But Miami now just added one of the best quarterbacks out of the portal that class with, you know, Reuben Bain and Francis Malgoa, it adds another year of seasoning and it gets reinforced with another top five wave of talent this upcoming year. There's not a big gap talent wise and talent's not the end all be all, but talent is one of the fundamental starting ingredients to on-field production. I think we all admit to that at least. And so I don't think the gap is nearly as wide um, between those two, but the third school, Florida, that's the one I'm really concerned about. And I don't know, I can't paint you a path right now. I mean, I don't have anything against Billy Napier. I like Billy Napier, but they're in one down there right now. And they got maybe the toughest schedule in the country this coming year to where it may be so difficult, even if they have improved noticeably, it may not be able to show up on the field. And it may not show up in the win-loss column. And at that point, if he's three years in, and they don't really have anything to show for it, if they're not in a solid bowl game at least, I'm not sure what the future holds there. Logan, up next, how did your Xavier Worthy Dark Horse Heisman pick end up from Murrayville, Georgia? He didn't win the Heisman, so I guess it didn't end up well. That's why it was called a Dark Horse, Logan. I think we can wrap it up with this one. Good question. Why isn't college football year-round from Spartanburg, South Carolina? Well, as far as I can tell, it is, because we do these shows year-round. One of my biggest complaints back in the day was I, I watched the NBA get covered all year. And I watched the NFL get covered all year. And I thought to myself, self, college football's got a ton going on all the time. And yet it's not covered. Like I would watch ESPN and they would go through the national championship and they'd do some stuff for signing day. And then it, it would be ghost mode until spring games and then ghost mode again until media days. Meanwhile, the NFL, they had... OTA reports and they had uh, draft coverage wall-to-wall for like a month and a half. They had free agency news. Everything was covered. Well, you can either complain about it or you can do something about it. So we weren't alone, but I went to work to putting together a show that covered the sport year-round and shined a proper light on it year-round. And now more than ever, with what the portal has done and with how coaching moves work, uh, this sport is a year-round sport. And that's not just for the diehard fan. Like, if you're a casual fan out there, welcome. And if you think to yourself, well, the season's over now. Well, the football games on the field are over now. But if you want to equip yourself with the knowledge to truly understand this game, there are going to be things happen over the next four or five months before fall camp starts that are imperative to have knowledge of in order for you to properly understand what you're watching in the fall. It's still entertaining, whether you know it or not, but man, there's a ton 
that goes on right now. There's never been more moving parts off the field than there are right now in college football. So to answer the question, it is year-round. And we will be here year-round. I mean, I do two of these live shows per week. We'll do another mailbag pod per week. And we don't stop that. We just keep going. And we're fortunate that CBS allows us the runway to do that. But to be honest, it's hard for them to say no because you guys are here. We had the number one college football show in the country yesterday, by the way. I looked at the charts. So we're doing good. And uh, if you're not watching on YouTube, I suggest you do that as well. Late Kick. Uh, In fact, it's anywhere you search. That's the same thing. Late Kick with Josh Pape. So I appreciate you guys. Sincerely, uh, the Mailbag Pod is back. Maybe better than ever, but at least it's back. So if you want to submit, you know how to do it. I'll put out the call to action probably Monday or Tuesday of every week. And I will aggregate and I will respond accordingly. So for Bradley, the associate, who is standing by at headquarters waiting for this to be handed off to him so he can edit and put it out, I'm Josh Pate. Take care. Have a great rest of your day, and God bless. Must be 21 or over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.